Empire. Hello and welcome to another live stream edition of the John Connor Report. Do me a favor, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. If you're joining us now, if you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media, that's AMP, IRE, always much appreciated when you tune in. And don't forget, you can always read my work on ESPN.com. I will ha- Actually, I have a story up now about Sam Howell and about a lot of what the guy said after the game. Is he the guy for the next five to 10 years, as John Allen said? Or is it something where, as Charles Leno said, it takes time because you need to go through a lot of different experiences when you are trying to determine how good is this guy? But we know he's good and we know he can play. I think the question now becomes, to what level can he sustain that play? That's where the consistency comes in. Anyways, that story is up on ESPN.com. And hopefully you give that a read. And you know, we'll have more throughout the week. I'm going to be talking to Marty Mornenweg, who is a former NFL coach and is a former head coach, offensive coordinator, because I want to talk to him about Sam Howell. So that one is going to be played on Thursday. And I'll be joined in a minute by the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein. I think here he comes now. As you can see, Bram's joining me here. So, Bram, I already went through all the little spiel in the introduction, so the good timing here. I want to start with, I want to get into the game, obviously, and to Sam Howell's game, and I want to get into what the defense showed, because to me, that remains a big concern going forward. But I do want to start with this week, because this is a big game for them for a lot of reasons. How would you frame this Seattle game for them coming up? I think the playoffs go through this week for Washington. I think it's pretty clear that... um, uh, you know, that they they can't win the division, <laughs> you know, short of Dallas and Philadelphia totally cratering, which I don't think both of them would. Um, so this weekend's huge. And just go look at the standings. Like the NFC is kind of like what we thought it would be. There are more teams that are basically kind of out of it at this point than there are in it. Two one-win teams, two two-win teams. A couple of those two-win teams have lost quarterbacks, you know, like the Giants. I mean, how are they going to recover now that Daniel Jones out for the year? Uh, when is Justin Fields coming back? So, like, is Chicago really going to um, – is, is he really going to, like, help them when he does come back recover from all of this? Like, I'd have a hard time believing all of that. Um, so, just go look at the standings. And, you know, realistically, there's, like, four or five teams for three spots. And, frankly, like, this game is huge. You know, they have a tie break with Atlanta, and they have the same record with them. And now with Seattle, I don't know if must win is the right word to put it, but, like, it feels like they better they better get it. And if they do, then things are back on the table for them with the Giants and probably a third-string quarterback playing against them the week after. Everything's kind of back on the table to try to get a wild card by the end of all of this. Um, You know, even Minnesota, who's ahead of them in the standings, is playing with Josh Dobbs at this point, and Kirk Cousins isn't coming back. So the NFC is weak, and we thought it would be. And this is why I felt all along, like, three teams from the NFC East could be in the playoffs again, and I was hoping Washington would be one of them, either second or third place in the division or a really great year, first place, but second or third place felt realistic. But it goes through Seattle now. Um, and so I, I think just just go look at the standings, and you'll see that, like, this yeah. is enormous. I, I agree. And I think it's big for, for, for the playoff stuff. But I think when you have a 
when you have a situation like they have, you have a coach in the last year, the ownership change, they, you know, there's, they're still coming together in a lot of ways with under Biennemi, et cetera. I think you need to win for, for exactly why you said, but also to keep these players um, engaged because once it goes, you just wonder in these situations, where does it go? So that's the other part of that. And I think we're still a couple of weeks from that, but I think, you know, you need to go I, right now it is about playoffs, but I think, or putting yourself in better position for that. But I think the other part is to make sure that you keep playing well and um, especially on offense to, to just keep these guys, keep it good from going off the rails. I think we're maybe a little bit early on that, but it does seem like it's always kind of teetering which way can this, can this, which way will the direction go in this sort of situation? But I do agree with you that you can, if you can win this game, then you have the Giants at home. And my God, that should be a Giants game. You should win if it's, if it's, you know, DeVito. I mean, you know, like you, you can't, you can't justify another loss to them, especially at home. So this, think about it, think about it. They could be, if you win this game, you could be six and five going down to Dallas. Yes. And you'd have a tie break with Seattle and Atlanta. And if new Orleans goes on to win the NFC South, then, you know, you've got a tie break with the two most likely teams to be sitting there at the bottom of the NFC playoff stand. That's why this game is enormous. And I agree with you. Like I really, you know, after the trade deadline, I wanted to see how they were going to play this week. I didn't know. I mean, like, I, I don't know. And so now that we saw how they played New England, which I thought there's a lot to go through, and I thought they played relatively well, and I thought they were extremely motivated. I thought Hal was outstanding. Um, but, you know, the reality is, like, you know, they've dug themselves a hole again, you know, with the amount of losses they took early, specifically with the Giants and the Bears games. Or where? how would we be feeling right now if they'd won one of those Eagles games? I think we'd feel a lot differently about all of it. Uh, but, you know, now is the time where they got to stack the wins. They typically do it around this time of year. But it's a big ask. Going across the country, playing a place, very tough to play. And if they go and do it, then things will be back on the table. And remember, like, December's got a lot of home games. You know, I know it is San Francisco. It is Dallas. It is Miami. You know, I know it's a lot of tough, it's a lot of tough home games. But at least they're here, you know, and so it'll give them an opportunity. If, if they're at least at home where they haven't played that well. So there is that, but yes, it is. And you don't know what's going on with other teams late in the year either, because all it takes is one or two injuries and changes things. And, and, and it, you know, makes things look dramatically different, but that is why I think they've put themselves in the kind of hole where you really need to win this kind of a game. If you yeah. want to make the playoffs, you have to win a tough game on the road at some point, And they haven't done that. So yeah. Yeah, I think that's where this that's where this game becomes again not a must. They're all must wins, but it's not a you know well your season's over if you don't win. However, well also I mean they have four John they have four wins. They're all against teams that are unlikely to be in the playoffs. Correct. So they're about to play one this weekend. That if they if they win that game, they're likely to be in the playoffs and have a shot at their division. You know this is a show me game for Washington. Take on a team that was in the playoffs a year ago. They have an opportunity to defeat them. They're coming off a really bad loss. They've been turning the ball over a ton lately. And yeah. so I hope, you know, like I hope Washington summons it up, pulls this thing off, and then we are in business again. And then it'll be a dicey week with the Giants because we have this bad history with them. But I agree with you. I mean, based on what their situation is with injuries and quarterback and what their record is, I mean, you're at home again. It's gonna, there's not gonna be a lot of excuses. But you know, first things first, let's go up to Seattle, see what happens. 
you know, and I and last thing on Seattle because I because I'll do my keys of the game and all that on Friday. But I'm looking at their defense. Their defense. I just have the notes here: 25th in yards, 22nd points, 21st against the run in yards per carry, and um, 21st in rushing yards per game. Their offense is 20th in both both points and yards. So I mean, there it's you know, and they, I mean they beat Cleveland with PJ Walker quarterback. They should have lost that game. So you know, there's. There is, it's, this is a game where you can go win on the road. I mean, they're, it's a good team still, five and three, tough place to play, but it is a game where you say, okay, would you, you have a shot against these guys or Dallas on the road or Miami at home or San Francisco at home? Well, I think this is the one. So there, there's a chance there. So anyways, so let's get back to this, you know, coming off this game and Sam Howell. And I'm going to do a little name drop here because, you know, I'm going to sound like Sal Pal. I just got off the phone with Kurt Warner. So I was talking to him for a story that I'm writing on how, but at the end of it, I was like, well, have you had a chance to watch him? And it wasn't, it was something from his career, but it it kind of encompasses all this. But I did ask him, you know, have you been able to watch how he said, yes, he's been able to watch every snap. And so I asked him what he thought. And in a nutshell, he said, he's a bona fide starter. The question is basically what I what I said kind of earlier is can he get to a high level and how do you get there? And that's the consistency of it. But he has shown to me that he's a legit starter. What did you come away with after the, after Sunday and also after these last couple of games? So um, I thought he was beyond outstanding the other day, and especially in rewatching it now. And I see why the world is gushing a little bit here. I'm a touch surprised because it was three and five versus two and six. Maybe people were paying some attention to Belichick because of all the new cycles that are going on with him and his future. And they saw a loss and we have this weird habit of teams spiral after they lose to the commanders. For some reason, there's this like weird history of people getting fired or major changes being made after they lose to the commanders. Even though I went in thinking, I think Washington's got a better team. They certainly have a yeah. better quarterback right now. So yes. going up there and winning wasn't going to be a surprise to me. I was just more like, how is this team going to you know, rally? Are they going to take a message of trades like that and think that their you know, season's over? Or are they throwing up a white towel? And, and they didn't. You know, that, was, that was the good news. Hal made four to six extremely high-level, incredible plays. The scramble on third and 23 was unbelievable. How he finished that run. The throw to Pringle, which in real time, when I'm watching it, I can't believe he threw that ball up, but it fell right into the hands in the open field where there was. amazing. That was an unbelievable play. Um, There were, before the interception at the end of the half, he had the third and 24 run, third and 23 run. He had what could have been a touchdown Brown that went through his hands, and he overthrew John Bates on a wide open play down the middle of the end zone that could have been a touchdown. I mean, he had four or five other High level, big throw to McLaurin. This is what a the McLaurin throw, the Pringle throws like over and over and over. He's proving that he's got these high level moments in him. And I love his disposition and I love his accuracy. And I'll tell you the one that really got me too after the McLaurin throw late in the game, where it was it was clear. I'm not really totally sure like whether he had it or not, but they wisely ran up to the line and ran a play. They didn't just run a play, he walked up to the line and threw a dart to McLaurin that was nearly a touchdown right after it. And that was like, 
of all the impressive plays, I think that's one of the most underrated ones of the day that like they scramble drilled to get up to the line to try to prevent New England from challenging a play because it might have gotten called back. I don't know if it would have or wouldn't have because I didn't see it enough times to know, but there was it a real have. challenge at that juncture of the game and that he might have been bobbling it. The commanders knew this. They scrambled drilled up to the line and they didn't just run a play to run a play like the Eagles did the week before when the Devontae Smith happened and they just threw one away real fast to like get away from a challenge. They walked up there and just threw a dart and McLaurin was an ankle tackle away from scoring a touchdown. That's how locked in this guy is at times. Well, and what so, I like I really, obviously we've been very bullish about him, but I need to see it. I need to see him in high leverage games. And I do want to go back to the four wins they have against teams right now are four teams that probably are not going to be in the playoffs. Three of them definitively. And one of them, Atlanta's got a shot at it, you know, a shot. The others don't. So here we go on the road. But he has played teams. well against, but he has played well. You know, potentially a playoff team. Let's see if he can do this again. But he has played well against the Eagles, too. Two games where they could have won had the defense not given up 75 big plays in the first game. Um, but the other thing, the other part of that, too, Bram, what I really liked about that second McLaurin throw was he had to step back and throw it. There was no time to do anything. That linebacker was in that hole. What I liked is where he put the ball from yeah. McLaurin, and it's away from the linebacker to get, be able to get that hand on it. And, it, you know, so he does a really good job with that. There were, you know, it's funny because you start, you can start to nitpick with his game at this point. And there were a couple, okay, you could have done this a little bit better. Maybe that a little bit better. That's normal when you go over 50 some passes or whatever he threw. But overall, I like where he's headed. And, you know, that's, I think that's the best sign for this franchise is where he's headed. And I think the other really good part of this is the play of Larson, Tyler Larson and Chris Paul. Yeah. And the stout, the stoutness, if that is a word. First of all, I'm a big stout guy. So, but but stoutness is a word yeah. for linemen. Those guys bring it, and that's one reason they have they've created better pockets the last two games for him to throw. I also think he saved some sacks, but those two guys have done a nice job within that area of of helping out, and I think that's made a difference for him as well. Um, so that's been good to see for them. Mark your calendars, because November 11th is going to be huge. Yuri Prohaska versus Alex Pereira will face off during UFC 295, but only one fighter will leave with the belt. Secure your victory with unbeatable offers on DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers strike now to get $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet $5. Get in on the UFC 295 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Download the app now and use code KIME, K-E-I-M. New customers get 200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet $5. That's code KIME. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash MMA terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources. The MVP of the offense this year is Sam Howell so far. Number two in a close second is Tyler Larson. I mean, the line is <laughs> the line is significantly changed with him out there. I and you know, I'm not going to be revisionist here. I was really excited about the signing of Nick Gates. I thought that was a really good signing for them. 
and it just has not particularly worked out. But Larson came in. Larson, I thought, might get cut in preseason because of the because of the draft pick used on Ricky Stromberg. Like I actually thought there was a possibility he was going to get cut, and fortunately they didn't. I did not. That has saved that saved their season. I thought Chris Paul's played pretty well too. The last couple of weeks, the line has held up much better. The pockets have been much better. And when this kid gets time, um, he's very accurate. I mean, I've been, I, at the risk of being extremely repetitive, I've been saying this for months. He's the most accurate quarterback we've had here since Kirk Cousins. That's been evident, you know, throughout the preseason. But until you get into the games, you don't really know. Um, he made two big time mistakes. You know, I mean, all quarterbacks do, but he did. The one at the end of the half was a bad mistake. I also put a lot of that on the coaches. Like in real time, I thought, I think it was Pringle who caught it at the five with 40 seconds left. I thought he was out of bounds and it was on the other side of the field away from the bench. And they, I guess they called forward progress stopped and they kept running the clock. And I, I in real time in the booth, I thought they would have stopped the clock and didn't notice they were running it. And I have a feeling if the commanders were being honest that they thought that was happening too. And when they realized it wasn't, they ran up to the line. They had three timeouts, John, like, they needed to use one of them at that point. So like, I don't want to totally absolve Hal here, but they needed to use a timeout. There. You they can't absolve them at all. No, they, they, they needed to they did three timeouts. They didn't one, they had three right. and they're at the five yard line. Like they, they needed to use one and slow everything down. They didn't, whatever. Hal did make a mistake. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that they, he thought the receiver was cutting out and it went back in and he threw a bad pick, but like he made a mistake. The other one too, when they got lucky and got the ball back on the offsides on the punt and on the third and six, he made a good read at almost any other time of the game. He had a one-on-one down the sideline, but it is a low percentage completion on a third and six. The game's over if they make an easy completion and get a first down. So those are the two that I'll take issue with. But largely, I mean, the positives are outweigh the negatives by a million. And frankly, if it wasn't for those two mistakes or the one huge defensive mistake, I think they would have blown them out. I mean, just go look statistically at what happened the other day with his percentages, his numbers, time of possession, total yards. I mean, honestly, like <laughs> it was it, like the, the score should have been 31 to 10, in my opinion, the right team day. But, you know, wow. there are little moments and major situational moments that I think put them in a, in a level of peril that they shouldn't have been. I saw Jahan Dotson say this after the game the other day where he said, you know, we need to step on people. And I agreed with him in this one. Like, this is one where they were by far the better team. They completely outclassed them on the field. And it was really two or three very poorly timed mistakes that allowed New England to even be in it. And if they could kind of fix some of those moments in these critical moments, I think the outcomes might look a little different than they did. But I'm not going to sit here and complain about a win. They won. And they came through when they needed to, and they they held New England to three points in the second half and nothing in the fourth quarter and got an interception to end the game. And Hal brought them back once they were down. So it's hard to overly complain too much about it. Um, and But the way where I'm going to turn, though, now, because I think if, I like where the offense is headed, and I like some of the momentum they're developing. And I think one of the, the biggest concern I still have is the defense. You say 31 to 10, and I say if I'm New England – I look at that and say there's four plays that if we make that, it's a completely different game the other way around. Yeah, of course. And and that's that's what concerns me is that they continue to give up not just they, they gave up some big plays. There were three or four more that with a if Sam Howell's on on the Patriots, this team loses that game by 10 points. Yeah, it's there a was, lot. It, it's a lot. A, there, I mean, hold on. Hold on. There's, a, hold on. there's a drop by Rager. But this is what bothers me, though, Bram, because this is the stuff that keeps happening. 
And this is the stuff that translates to other games is, yeah, first of all, the drop by Rager drops happen. We've seen that. But there was St. Juice gets beat on the fourth and three on the same kind of route that he got beat against Chicago, playing it the same way and too aggressive. You have inside help. You've got to stay on the outside hip. So when he turns back up, now you got him. And he didn't. Now the throw is missed. But you can't make that same mistake. There were a couple of times a tight end is wide open down the middle. I mean, wide open yeah. because no, because the coverage was blown and they had the blown coverage against the Eagles that cost them. So like, those are the things that keep happening that can't happen. And, and that's what, that's my concern is that that unit, you know, we, we keep hearing about the details and I watch them play and the details are not very good. And there are sometimes yeah. whether it's leverages they're not playing with, whether it's guys, not all these guys running to the ball, like on the, on the long touchdown run, there were some guys like, you know, Cam Curl's hauling ass. I mean, that guy comes from across the field and almost makes a play at the goal line. That dude is hauling. Other guys were not. There were a couple guys that were. So, like, there are things like that, that that D has to get it together if this team wants to do anything legitimately down the down yeah the they have they have trouble in the scene with tight ends i mean coverage i mean that that's just that's going to be that was just blown coverage that wasn't even mine on coverage nobody covered him that's not even yeah. that's a problem not just with the tight end that's a problem with knowing your assignment that's my like miss getting a catch-up that's one thing you know uh, uh, um Khalid hudson gets beat on that he's a little bit short whatever nobody covered them that's the problem you know what i mean yeah. that that it's a blown assignment and that's where like they keep having these things there were two others too. Rager has a drop. Rager also yes. cut short a route and spun around on a long pass. I mean, that gave Mac no chance to make complete it. And that was just an incompletion. And the other one was Ramondre Stevenson was three yards out ahead of, of uh, Jamin Davis when he made a great recovery play. Oh, exactly. Really Thank I mean, you. A really, really short, bad throw. So I agree with you, but you could probably look at that in a lot of games with everybody. Like there's a couple plays there here were, where your outcomes. There were a lot of, it's just the blown assignments and you play a better quarterback and you're going to bite you. And that, and it has bitten them. That's the problem. If it was one game like that, it's the continued pattern that they're showing that has to change. That's why I bring it up because, you know, and, and I like where the offense is going. I do. And I think Bienemy has called some good games the last couple of weeks. I like where they're headed. But that defense, man, you've got to, like, again, details. Which shoulder are you supposed to attack when you're trying to, you know, if you're going to try and um, remind Ray Stevenson, breaks through the line, you're Percy Butler, you got to attack outside, force him back inside where you got help. And little, it's little things like that that keep yep. happening that you've got to be better with that. And that's because if you're not, now the funny thing is, Brad, this, maybe this offense will get good enough that they can win a few of these games that you didn't expect, that you thought would have had to be won by the defense. I don't know. But that is a concern of mine. Yeah, and I, I'll also say this: like I know there's so much reporting about the Patriots and Belichick and the record, and oh, he's going to get fired and all this stuff. And I got to tell you, like their defense looks like a Patriots defense. It's why I walked away very impressed with like how they played specifically offensively here. That's a really good defense, and Agreed. they are very sound and they are very tricky. My biggest concern was, are we going to get our protections right? Because obviously we've had trouble yeah. with protection in general, but they're really good at gaming up the tackles. And off the edge, we've had problems, obviously, this year. And they did an outstanding job with that. And Hal stepped up, stepped up, made big plays. And so I'm actually very bullish about what happened with the offense. I hate going as far 
as what's been happening, the gushing about him this week, because I still think it's very early for all of that. And I also don't think it'll affect him that much. Like, I don't think he's going to show up in an orange Bugatti tomorrow. It's calling him the greatest thing ever. It wasn't that long ago that the national media was calling the commander stupid for not trying to get Lamar Jackson. Like, don't forget that part. So things can kind of come and go and change. I think they've been validated in their decision with him. I thought it was his best game. He made some high-level plays. I thought the offense played really well. They've unlocked dots in the last couple of weeks, which I think was a really, 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 um, really good development here. Getting back to B-Rob, I thought was important. They're running the ball more. I thought it was Antonio Gibson's most impactful game. Agreed. By far, like by far, I thought it was his most impactful game. So I thought offensively, it was well-called. It was well-played. We can parse out a couple decisions that were bad. I agree with you about the defense, and I still think the defense is the story of this season. And the other two, I just want to point out, like, they're stud defense. They still have two of those first-round picks who are stud defensive linemen. And Duran and John are not making the same impact plays that I've been accustomed to over the last few years. And I'm hoping in the second half of the season that we start calling their names a little bit more because this defense needs it from them big time. I agree. I think that's where having a healthy Federian Mathis where you can rotate a few more guys in. I think John Ridgeway has been a really good find for them just looking at the position. But I agree with you and watching the other day, I think that, you know, I kept noticing like they've got, they're not getting the same level of penetration. It was hard because people asked about the pass rush the other day. And it was really hard because Mac Jones, he had the second fastest time before throwing in the league last week. So there was not a lot of time to really press the pressure. I thought a couple of times Smith Williams had a couple of good pressures. Um, and there was, I think two Hill had, a, or, and Effie Obata had a couple of, okay pressures but he was getting rid of the ball fast but i'm with you on all that by design i like i I think every game i go we're not gonna be able to judge the pass rush because they're not gonna have time to get one because new england had turned the ball over so many times they don't want mac extending plays he was turning it over too much he was making really bad decisions and over the last few weeks if you watch them every play was in the middle of the field three step drops get rid of the ball really fast you had no chance to sack them i mean there was there wasn't going to be an opportunity for that and they actually took a couple more shots when they threw the first deep pass of the game. It was the, I'm not kidding. When I say this, it was the first time they had thrown a ball in the air more than 20 yards in a month. So <laughs> I did not. And it's, that's it's not, it's like, that's, it's not an, I'm not making that up. Like that's the truth. I know. And they haven't been good with it. Yeah. Yes. So they didn't really do anything that wasn't really expected. And, and I felt this way going in, we're not going to be able to judge the pass rush without Montez and chase with this team. You're going to find out now because Seattle's going to take some shots. They have the type of receivers to take shots with. And to your point about the big plays that they give up, these are big time explosive players. They have a quarterback who will take shots down the field. And we are going to find out what the pass rush looks like because they're going to need it, which is what I'm going to go back to. The offensive line of Seattle has been injured. They've been moving people around. Geno's been making a lot of mistakes. And I think this is the week. If this team's going to make a playoff run, we need our money guys in the middle of that defensive line to show up and make some plays this weekend. I agree 100%. And I think um, you're right. So let's answer a couple of questions here, Bram. Um, I'm going to go to Mr. Ron B. Given the improvements along the O-line, could we see a more consistent run game and offensive flow moving forward? Eric Bieniemy doesn't want to run the ball. So I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I think we keep waiting for that. I think you can do it a little bit more. They also controlled the ball for 37 minutes the other day. Yeah. So they threw the ball. You can control the ball. If you're getting rid of the ball like Hal was the other day, you can control it through the pass. But I would, I do think that they were running the ball fine. Now, late in the game, it you know gets two yards and whatever. 
but I don't, I'm, I'm kind of done anticipating, oh, this is the week they're going to run the ball more because it hasn't happened. So I don't know why I'm going to, until they do it, I'm just going to figure it's going to be 45, 45 passes and, 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 you know, 20 runs. It's kind of like January weather, you know, low of 20, high of 45 for the day. That's what they are. They're a, they're a 60, 40 pass team at worst and sometimes creeping towards 70, 30. Yeah. It's that's, what apparently this offense is and in general is going to be I've kept waiting for especially just knowing that the head coach of this team prefers an old school grounded out protect the ball rely on the run I'm a little surprised that it hasn't turned the other way but he also unlike previous years has never signaled for it publicly even when everybody was going why you know like why are you throwing the ball so much He's never, ever publicly stated for a second that he has an issue with the the dynamic of pass to run. So this is the offense they've installed. Uh, I think they're going to live and die with it. You know, I still do think, you know, in the end, this is going to come down to the defense. The defense has to be better as a whole. I agree. Yeah. And, and you know, going back to that, too, I did ask Rivera a couple of weeks ago exactly what you said. La- the last couple of years, you'd get in these situations and we'd hear – we need to get back to who we are. And that meant running the ball more. And the next week they'd run the ball more. And so I asked him, it felt like that. And he's like, he does not have a problem. And I think he really has bought into his whole line about being comfortable with the uncomfortable. This can't be comfortable for a defensive minded head coach. And yet he's allowed, this is, he's allowed, he has given EB all sorts of freedom and power and control here. And I think, you know, that's what the result is. But again, they controlled the ball for 37 minutes the other day. So that's that's one thing to keep in mind that they use that to control it. So um, Todd wants to know, do you think they'll sit De'Ami Brown because he hasn't looked good? Do you see them playing Brian Pringle more? Um, they've been playing Pringle more and they've been using both those guys. And what they use, what they've used Brown for more is for some blocking purposes. He's a pretty good blocker. So they're kind of, I think he's got the role he has and you're right. Pringles played more and has done a nice job. And um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't see the, go, the box score number that got me this week where, and this is why I think everybody's so pumped about Hal in the passing game in general, nine players got targeted, seven got at least four targets, six got at least three catches and four had at least 14 yards per catch Four different receivers against the Patriots defense had at least 14 yards per catch. And there was not a single like 60 yard bomb to somebody that is precision. That's mm-hmm. precision against a very good team. And I, I thought that um, defensively offensively is a different story with new England defensively. I still think they're very, don't look at their record. I still a thousand percent agree. So and- I actually like, that's why I think I walked out of it too going, I don't want to get overly excited about this either. And I'm very bullish about what Hal's doing. We've also been watching it very closely and it's been building this way. And I really love what I see, but all of a sudden the national media saw this and went, Oh my God. And so they're just going to hear it, how great they were. Uh, but it really was spectacular, you know, short of a couple bad decisions. It was spectacular to spread it around to that. And Curtis Samuel didn't even play to spread it around to that many people and have those kind of outcomes with that many weapons. It, <laughs> If that's going to continue, which is going to be hard to continue it, they're going to score a lot of points this year. And they could have scored a lot more than they did the other day. And then can the defense get back to closer to the mean? At least now they're not like the bottom. This is 
you know, of all the issues with the defense, you know, this is three and four weeks where a team did not crack 20 on them. So that's good. They are giving up big plays, they're giving big, big yards, but they're not giving up the points that would scare you at this point. We'll see this weekend. I think it's going to be very telling with Seattle, who has extremely explosive players and an apt and a willingness to throw the ball downfield. Let's see how they handle it. Right. And I think the other thing, going back to the New England part with the defense, what I for New England's defense, and I think that's what was impressive, Bram, they were counting on being able to confuse Howell enough to let they ran a lot of stunts and games up front and just a variety of them. And sometimes they're dropping three, they're showing this or showing that. And it's like this stunt after stunt after stunt, game, game, game. And that was all designed. If you can get him to hold it for a split second, you can get home. But he was handling all of that. You didn't see a lot of times. You did see some times where maybe you have to hold a little bit longer. Maybe where, where there are a couple of times he escaped the pocket a little bit early. I don't, you know, that's, that's some of that is nitpicking, right? But I like the way they handled how New England tried to give them so many different looks. And I think that was impressive. That's on, you know, that's, that's, on, that's a big part is that of that is Larson and then, and then Howell himself. So that was good to see. So I agree. Like I, a lot of, you know, it's funny because we're both like, I'm a, I'm a fan of Taylor, Taylor Heineke, right? Just from the standpoint of his story, watching him play. The, everything he gave to the to what it was but even when he was doing well you knew like okay we see what we see we 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 don't think but you're seeing this and you knew like you just kind of kept waiting is that bubble going to burst right i don't feel like that with Howell. i feel like this is i think feel like we're watching a good player develop and the question I was is worried. i was worried about the amount of hits early in the yeah, season yeah oh, now, now that that start is limited a little more and hopefully will remain that way. Um, then, you know, I'll feel better about it, but I was worried about the attrition adding up on him. Like it did on Heineke. Heineke could only take so many hits and not unlike how early in the season, some of those were self-inflicted. He would run and not go down and he was taking on tacklers to go with the sacks. Heineke was the same way. And after a while, it got to the point where it's like, remember they tried to protect him, And then we were like, you got to let him just be himself because he needs to kind of be gunslingery and have a feel for it. He's very good with feel for the game. I think Hal's similar and he's learning as he goes, but he keeps getting, they keep saying this. And sometimes it's just like, you know, football coach talk. They're like, it's the first time he's seen this and he just gets better. Like in real time, he is learning from the mistakes in the past. He is just getting better. And that game the other day was for someone who started so few games, it was expert class. I mean, it really, it was, it was just outstanding. It really, really was outstanding. Um, Nathaniel Roberts wants to know is Cole Turner hurt. Seems like he has disappeared. Not hurt to my knowledge. He's not a very good blocker at the line. And I think that, you know, if you've noticed Alex Arma has been playing a lot more lately, it also gives them some, some, a couple different looks um, with the eye formation stuff. They've they've they ran the ball most time last week out of it. The previous week against the Eagles, they used play action out of that. And it really to me, like it caused the linebackers to bite on that. And and it created some good opportunities for them because of that. So I think that's part of why he's not playing. But um, so no, he's not hurt. And again, you know, he's he's really kind of a bigger receiver playing tight end. And you know, so when you're playing in line at all, I think it's it's hard for harder for him. So he's good on some of those slice blocks coming across the formation. But here's one from Ephraim who said Mac Jones told the media after the game that they were going to go after Emmanuel Forbes the second he came to the game. 
what was your take on him? And I just, you know, I do want to point this one out because this was funny during the broadcast. Like we have the parabolic mics and we overheard Mac Jones. One of his audibles was uh, Uncle Drew <laughs> and Uncle Drew turned out to be the bomb to Rager. So I don't want to be Connor Stallions here, but for other teams, if you hear Uncle Drew, <laughs> they actually uncork one on you. And, uh, you know, listen, I mean, I think it goes without saying that this was Forbes best game in general. In fairness, though, let's see him against DK Metcalf as opposed to Jalen Rager. No offense, but like, let's see it against a better functioning offense that is more apt to take more chances against them and a bigger target like that if he ends up getting locked up on someone like that, like he did with AJ Brown. And let's see if the corner's really been turned. That's kind of my opinion on him. So Uncle Drew, meaning he's a basketball player, and he put it through, and Rager formed a hoop for him to put it right through his hands. Is that what that was? Good so from deep three, yes. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. Well, it's a Harlem Globetrotter four-point shot, if you've ever yeah. seen that. So the one thing I'll say with – what I'll say with Forbes, he competed. And I think he played and, – and I asked him after the game, like, what was the difference in your game? He said confidence. And I think Rivera said that on, on Monday as well, that he felt like he played with more confidence. Now – there's definitely things he has to clean up. There were a couple of times I felt like he played well with his eyes, and that's been a big problem for him. There was a play early in the game. I had it marked on my notes. I'm not going to go back and look for it, but I do remember noting his eyes were in the right place. He could see the quarterback and the receiver. There were a couple of times that he got in trouble in the past where he would take his eyes, kind of he was, his eyes would drift to the quarterback, but he'd lose sight of the receiver, and it cost him against a touchdown. I can't remember which game. But so I thought he was better with that couple times in press I felt like his footwork was a little bit off and he got beat inside one time he gets beat but he recovers because his length and he wasn't and he was able to drive on the ball nice recovery so I think overall he did a nice job and and on the intercept I mean you know, should have had an interception that was that should have been OPI but should have yeah. been a, a perseverance but he put himself in a really good spot and they did the same thing against AJ Brown he just didn't finish and I know he may have gotten shoved but he didn't finish you know you some other guys can get nudged and they might finish, but he that could have been a definite push off as well. Yeah. But yeah. good position. I think he's got to work a little bit more on the footwork, continue to work on that. But I think the best thing for him that by and large, you talk to anybody and like he's coachable. And I can just tell you as a media person, having watched guys struggle early in their career, that kid has handled it really well. Like really he well. Sit, he sits in his <laughs> locker, right? But it's like he sits in his locker. He'll patiently talk about it. He'll answer the questions. He's just—he's very matter of fact about things. He's not edgy or anything like that. I think he has a good disposition about him, and I think yep. that helps as well. And, so, and I, this is always just like you know—you you know—we're around him all the time, and I just take note of these little things. His teammates are rooting for him. Like yes, they were very happy for him. They were celebrating with him on the field. They were patting his back. I think they know that he has high-end qualities and he's learning the game in real time. And he got roasted by AJ Brown a couple times who might be the NFL MVP this year, right? That dude is awesome. (laughs) Welcome to the NFL, right? And that's why, like, let's see this weekend. Those are real receivers out there, like big-time, real Pro Bowl-level receivers that he's facing this week. Let's see what happens. Bram, that's all I got, and that's that's all you're going to have, too, because I'm going to cut it off right here. So appreciate everybody tuning in and listening to us. As always, can't do this without you guys. And, Bram, thanks for joining me as usual. I'll be back on Thursday. I'm going to be talking to Marty Mordenweg, former NFL coach, longtime coach. I'm going to talk to him about Sam Howell and just provide some insight from someone who's watched him, studied him, liked him coming out. So 
That's it. Talk to you next time.